theyeshiva.net. Today we begin a new Maimer in honor of Hanukkah. This week we begin to celebrate Be'ezer HaShem Yisbaruch, the festival of lights, the festival of Lichtikait, the holiday of brightness. Hanukkah Tovshin Pe'alef, Hanukkah 5781, Hanukkah of 2020, Hanukkah that will have and has 2020 vision. So not just light, but light with 2020 perspective. If you didn't open your source sheets yet, please open or download or print out your source sheets. If you go to theyeshiva.net and you see today's class, on top of the video on the right is a blue icon, source sheets, or below the video on the left is a red icon, PDF, which allows you to download or open up the source sheets. Let us begin. This is a mimer, a discourse, a mimer in Hasidus that was presented by the Lubavitcher Rebbe on Shabbos, Parshas Miketz, Shabbos Chanukah, Rosh Chodesh Tevis, of the year Tovshin Choftes. When I say a mimer, the word mimer, sometimes a person asks, what's a mimer? The word mimer is a translation, of course, comes from the word oimer. But mimer was the word that was used in Chabad and in other places as well for a discourse, a presentation of a Indian asugya, a concept, an idea, an experience in the world of Chassidus, it was called Maimarim. You'll say, the Alter Rebbe is Maimarim, the Balatanya is Maimarim, or the Mittler Rebbe is Maimarim, or the Tzamach Tzedek is Maimarim, that's what a Maimer is. So this is from, as I said, Shabbos Miket, Shabbos Chanukah, Tovshin Chavtes. It opens up, as every Maimer opens up, either with a Pasuk, Pasuk in Chumash, or Nevi'im, or Ksuvim, or it opens up with a Maimer Chazal, a statement of our sages, for example, in Gemara, or Mishnah, or Medrash, or sometimes with a tefillah, with one of the languages, one of the texts of Davenik. V'al ha-nisim, v'al ha-purkon, v'al ha-gvurois, v'al ha-tshuois, v'al ha-nifloyos, chasisil ha-vesenu, b'yamemehem b'zman hazeh. During Chanukah, every day of Chanukah, during Davening, Shachris, Minchem, Meirev, and in Benching, we have a special insert in order to commemorate and celebrate Chanukah, so we begin, it begins for the miracles, for the liberation, for the strengths, for the salvation, for the wonders which you have performed for our forefathers in the days of yore, but during this time. Now there are, there are some variations in this text of Alanisib Alapurkan. The Rebbe here is doing the Nusach of the Arizal, the Nusach of the Balatanya in, in the Siddur. Because, you know, some add v'al ha-molchamais. There's, there's just some variations, just not to get confused. Omam shech l'achir eza b'nusach ha'idah, d'chanaka l'achir, akdam b'nusach ha'idah, ha'shav b'chanaka Purim. There's the generic opening for Chanaka and Purim, which is identical. Al-anissim, al-apurkan, al-agvoris, al-chos, anissim, al-flesh, yishislav, You do that on Chanaka, and you say it on Purim as well. But then, it branches off it branches off into two different texts. One is the text for Hanukkah, one is the text for Purim. So what do we say on Hanukkah? This is Hanukkah, so we're not discussing Purim. So the Maimah starts with Alan Nisim, which is the general text, but then he gets into the specifics. Afterwards we say, 
Translation. In the days of Matisyo, Matisyo was the son of Yochanan. Koyim Gadol, he was the high priest. He was also known as the Chashmanoi. Matisyo was known as the Chashmanoi. And during the days of his children, so this is during the era of Matisyo, the son of Yochanan, Koyim Gadol, and his children. When the kingdom, Malchus is the empire, the kingdom of Yavan Harisha, the wicked regime or kingdom of Greece, in that case it was Syria, the Syrian Greeks, which was one of the branches of the large Greek empire that Alexander the Great created more than a century before Hanukkah. So when this empire stood up, on your nation, Yisrael, to make them forget your Torah and to compel them to violate the statues of your will, the laws of your will. That's the language we say in Valanism every day of Hanukkah, a few days, a few times a day. So remember the words, if you, uh, if you need a prayer book, you need a city, you can open it up. If with an English translation, you'll see it there. It's an insert during the prayers and during the grace after meals. And my father-in-law, the Rebbe, the Rebbe, the Lubavitch Rebbe is quoting here an explanation of his father-in-law. He calls him my father-in-law, the Rebbe, known as the Rebbe Rayat, the sixth Chabad Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, who passed away in 1950 on Yud in New York. So he says, my father-in-law explained, in a Maimer, in a Hasidic discourse that he said, in Tofresh Peites, that's 1929. He has recently left the Soviet Union after being arrested, almost, almost his life was almost taken, exiled, beaten, and then liberated. And then he left Russia, so this is a short time afterwards. He left Russia at the end of uh, the end of twenty seven, like a year later. So he says in his mind, of nineteen twenty nine, Tafresh Peitas, he explains. We have to tune into these words meticulously. He says the, the, the real whole ambition of the Greeks was to make the Jewish people, to compel the Jewish people to forget, God forbid, that the Torah is divine. It's Hashem's Torah. I know, what does this mean? It's so a fascinating interpretation. The Greeks, for the most part, at least in, in principle and philosophy, didn't have a problem with the intellectualism of Torah. The intellect of Torah... The logic of Torah, this they were fine. In fact, it was Ptolemy who wanted the Torah to be translated into the 70 languages, known today as the Septuagint, which is a translation of Targum Hashivim. He had 70 Jewish sages come and translate the Torah into Greece, 
into the Greek language so that the Greeks, who were men of culture, and some of them great philosophers, should be able to understand it and appreciate it. In other words, Greece, in its heyday, represented culture, a dedication to aesthetics, a dedication to architecture, uh, very deeply involved in physique and human body and a person's looks and enlightenment and so-called progress. They celebrated the mind. They were the first playwrights that we know of. Some of them literary giants. They believed in recording history. That's where the beginning of recorded history comes from in terms of the larger society. Jewish people recorded history already much before that. Foundation of the Jewish people is you have to tell the story. You always have to tell the story. But the Greeks, they were not just a barbaric, sadistic nation, a boorish nation that believed in illiteracy. No, that's what the Rebbe says here. That his father-in-law, the Rebbe, the Rebbe Rayatz explained that the Yavanim agreed they were fine with a person trying to understand the logic of the religion called Judaism. It's also philosophy. People of philosophy. People of philosophy are interested in understanding different philosophies. Torah has seichel. There's a logic there. There are principles that it's based on that they, weren't, they were fine with. What was bothering them was the elikus in Torah which is going to explain what that means, the godliness of Torah. That's why you'll see the text of al is so precise. Every tefillah that was composed, whether by the Anshik Nesas or in this case it had to be composed later, because Anshik Nesas were before Hanukkah, they were in the beginning of the second Beis HaMikdash, and the miracle of Hanukkah happens later. Shimon HaTzadik, who's one of the Anshik Nesas meets Alexander the Great, but that's way before Hanukkah. Hanukkah would happen later during the Second Temple era. So the prayer of Alanism obviously was composed later, just like the mitzvahs of Hanukkah. However, every single prayer in the text composed by the Chacham and by our sages is very precise. Now, if you were writing the text, I would say, It's not what he says. They didn't stand up to make them forget Torah or mitzvahs. It says, To make them forget your Torah. To make them violate your will. Why doesn't it say, To make them forget Torah? No. So that's what the Rebbe is medayik. The fact that there's a Torah, a lot of Torahs in the world, there's different paths of ethics and different moral philosophies and different political philosophies and different psychological philosophies and different Weltanschauung and world perspectives. Say that. What bothered them was not that, that they didn't have a problem with. Judaism is another culture, right? And anthropologists study cultures. Some of you grew up reading about different cultures, studying cultures in university, visiting different communities. It's a fascinating study. They call it anthropology. You go, you meet the people, you try to understand where they're coming from. They call it the myths. 
the myths that every culture, <laughs> they love the word, the myths that every culture is based on. There's myths. Stories, fantasies, narratives that develop into ideas and laws. And then hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, it becomes etched in stone. The Greeks don't have a problem. You guys have an interesting culture. It's an old culture, biblical culture, Hebraic culture, Jewish culture. Fine. You don't have to forget it. We would even like to learn it with you. Make a chavrusa. They want to translate it into 70 languages. What bothered them was the getlichkeit of Torah. Not Torah. Not the seichel of Torah. That it's your Torah. The divinity of Torah. The godliness of Torah. That this is Torah that actually represents the mind of the creator of the world. The source of existence. Or to put it in abstract language for those of you who have been learning with us in a while. They didn't mind the yeshes of Torah. The yesh of Torah. They minded the ayin of Torah. The somethingness of Torah didn't bother them. The nothingness of Torah bothered them. The ayin of Torah. The Torah that turns you into a yesh. The Torah of intellectualism, which can create an intellectual ego. Okay, you got your ego, I got my ego. My ego comes from Hammer and Aristotle and Socrates and Plato. Or I should say Socrates, Plato and Aristotle. And Aristotle, of course, was the tutor of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great's father, Paul, hired Aristotle, the great Greek philosopher, who's known by us as Arista, to tutor Alexander the Great, as a young person. Of course, then his father died or was killed, some say even by his son. And Alexander the Great became the great conqueror who owned the world, literally created the Greek Empire, which as a result, after his death, it was then split. And ultimately, there was the one branch that was centered in Syria. And from there would come Antiochus, who would create all the Hanukkah decrees, whom the Hashemunayim would rebel against. You could look up the history, it's quite an interesting history, but it's beyond the realms of this class, and I don't remember now all the details. So, you have your, you have, we have our intellectuals, and we develop our intellectual ego. I'm a master of Socrates, I'm a master of Plato, I'm a master of Aristotle, I'm a master of Hammer. And you, and you, have your intellectual ego. You have in your stomach, you have Baba Kama, Baba Metziah, Baba Basra, and there's no Lahavdal. I have no problem with that. You have your literature, you have your text, you have your logic, you have your philosophy. What's bothering them is not the yesh of Torah. It's the ayin of Torah. Or what he puts it here, the lakus of Torah, the getlichkeit of Torah, the divinity of Torah. In other words, that Torah is not just another intellectual pursuit, but the Torah is a reflection and an embodiment of Hashem's divine mind. It should have said, There are different types of mitzvahs. Mitzvahs that have a rational reason, they were fine. Every culture in the world has different mitzvahs. Different things they do. It's called rituals. That they didn't mind. What bothered them was the chukim. Lahavidam, not from the mitzvahs. The mitzvahs that made sense to them, they were fine. They could consent to that. What bothered them was the chukim ritzaynecha. 
What's chukir yitzenecha? The chukir yitzenecha means the mitzvahs we do because it's your will. This is the point that my father-in-law, the Rebbe, explained in the Maimah of Amr Rabbi Yishiyah Tafresh Petas, 29. For Inyan Bazet, explain this. Hayavan emiskim uloy nakla mitzvahs de mishpatim. it's known that mitzvahs are generally divided into three categories. Mishpatim, edus, and chukim. Mishpatim are mitzvahs that are completely rational. In fact, many civilizations, for them to be successful, are based on it. The principle, the golden rule, they call it, what you don't like to be done to you, don't do to others. For example, the principle of loisirtzach. Don't take somebody's life. Don't murder. That's rational. In other words, you don't need to be a genius or a man of blind faith or any faith to accept it. At least based on certain premises. I mean, you can question everything. Ultimately, no logic is absolute. Every logic requires perspective. But generally we see it's something that the human mind is completely fine with. It makes sense. Again, you need a certain paradigm. If there's no paradigm, for example, that life is precious and that pain is bad, all these types of things, and t- you know, taking something, taking away something from somebody that you don't want to be taken away from you. If those premises are not there, okay, so then there's no seichel, and you could be matter everything, and, and and some empire, some regimes did that, some governments did that. But generally, these are called mitzvahs that the human mind is comfortable with them. Makes a lot of sense. That's mishpat. There's edus, edus. So the gedolei Yisrael, the Jewish philosophers, the Rambam and Shmaya Prakam, and other places, other other great Jewish philosophers, calls them mitzvahs shimiyos. Mitzvah shimiyos means mitzvahs that you naturally listen to, you naturally obey. Then there are mitzvahs called edus. Edus means testimonials. They're very culturally rooted. They're they're culturally rooted in history. For example, Passover, Pesach. You celebrate an event in history. The same is true Sukkot or Hanukkah. Lahavdil, America just celebrated Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving commemorates the pilgrims who came over to these shores of the United States before it was the United States. Escaping English persecution. They came on the Mayflower in the early 1600s and in the winters of 1620, 1621, harsh winters that many of them did not survive. Following that, they began to celebrate Thanksgiving to pay tribute to the creator of the world for bringing them here. Now, Edis in Judaism would include Shabbos and Pesach and Shavuos and Sukkot and Rosh Hashanah, Purim, all these types of mitzvahs. What are they? You're not going to say that a civilization, that they're logical in the sense that logic, at least again logic following certain paradigms, compels you to do them. But they make sense. It makes sense to celebrate an anniversary. Makes sense to celebrate an anniversary of a miracle. Makes sense to celebrate an anniversary of liberation. Makes sense. So the Edis, the Yavanim were also fine with. The Greeks were fine with Mishpatim. They were fine with Edis. What bothered them was the Chukim, the third category of mitzvahs. The mitzvahs that transcend, they're super rational. 
Shazawa apirush the chukim. What does the word chukim mean? Chukim we say is a chayk. A chayk is a statue, a law. But kemaimer chazal. Our sages explain this in Gemara Yuma, in Madrash Tanchuma, Huva Berambam, the Rambam quotes it in Me'ila. The word chayk comes from the word chakika, it's engraved. I have established, I have engraved a statue of law, it's a decree, and you don't have permission to think about to think about it and to question it based on your intellectual faculties. Vahainu, what does this mean? Let's understand what the sages are saying here. They're saying, Hashem says, I made a decree, you don't have permission to think after it. What does it mean? Sometimes a person is contemplating a mitzvah because he's not sure whether he should do it. It's like somebody will tell you, explain to me why I should do it, and then I'll do it. That's not what we're talking about. He says, You don't permit to think after it. So literally, is just it's a slang, it's an expression. Don't think about it. Literally in Hebrew means, don't follow it to think about it, right? Like, don't pursue it to think about it. Because we're not talking about a person who's not going to do it. He's going to do it. Whether he understands the reason or doesn't understand the reason, he will do it or she will do it anyway. It's not that the understanding is essential to the performance of the mitzvah. They'll do it anyway. He may understand it, he'll do it. And if he doesn't understand it, he'll still do it. He just wants to think in order to understand it. That's it. That's good, no? So they said, No, you don't have permission for that either. This the Greeks could not make peace with. He's giving here a depth into what the sages are saying. Everybody thinks they're saying, don't allow your thoughts and your logic to dictate whether to do it or not. That's not what we're saying. Even if you're going to do it. You're a good Jew. You're an Erlicher Yud. And you'll do it. And you're going to do it. But afterwards, I want to think. I want to try to understand it. No, you don't have permission. Well, well, what's the big deal? I'm doing it. I just want to appreciate it. I want to understand it. Apparently a beautiful thing. This drove the Yavonim mad. And when we speak about the Yavonim, of course, we always speak about the Yavonim outside, but we also speak about the Yavonim inside. It represents a certain notion that perturbed them. Why would, they, why would, why would, why would this be a virtue? What, what do you care if a person thinks about it? You don't care if a person thinks about it. What the sages are negating here is the way the Yavonim defined reality. That's what we're talking about. There was something about how they defined reality. What is this? Kivan The Yavanim could not deal with anything that truly, truly transcends logic. It has to have a logical framework. This is going to be a fascinating explanation. I don't care if, if it's very, very deep. We'll soon see how far this goes. It has to have a logical context. Something that completely transcends Seichel. Teire, the concept of Teire is understanding. The Teire is your wisdom and your understanding in front of all the nations. 
the Gemara says in Kedushan, that the, the, the greatness of learning, the reason why study is great is because it brings to mice, it brings to actions. So if the Torah is called Chachmaschem or Binaschem, the Pasuk says in Veschanan, this is your Chachma and Bina. The Torah is going to be a display of your profound perceptiveness and understanding before all the nations. So Gevaldik, this is wonderful. So the Yavanim said, let's understand, let's see your brilliance. Let's see Chachmaschem or Binaschem. And study brings to actions. That we're fine with. Comes a Gemara and a Medrash says, You can't even think about it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry. This is unacceptable. What's the conflict there? What is it? What is it? So, if you don't get this, we'll soon explain more. You think, okay, they're busy with intelligence. They want to understand. And the Jews are saying, no, I don't have to understand. Is that the argument? Let's see. Let's take this a step deeper. The Yavonim really didn't even have a problem with Chukim. <laughs> they had a problem with Let's go back to the text. So we explained their issue wasn't Torah. Their issue was Torah the divinity of Torah. Their issue was not mitzvahs. Their issue was Chukim. The mitzvahs of Mishpatim and Edis, they're fine. What bothers them is the chukim. So it should have said, They made them violate the chukim, those mitzvahs that are super rational, that are beyond rationality. It doesn't say that. It says, To make them violate the statutes of your will. So the Rebbe explains that when the previous Rebbe, the Rebbe Yats explains that what bothered them was the chukim, what bothered them was the, was the chukim, you have to understand that much deeper. They didn't mind the chukim. You know what bothered them? Chukim itzay necha. Dehine gam benegel lekeim amitzvus the chukim shem lamayla maaseichel yeshas bad al piseichel. Even the performance of mitzvahs, which are called chukim, which transcend logic, there's also a logical explanation. Vahayinu neshegam maaseichel meivinu mechayev sheyashin yanim shem lamayla maaseichel. A healthy intellectual mind, a good intellectual mind is going to tell you that there are things that are beyond intellect. Seichel will tell you that there are certain premises upon which all study, all wisdom is based, and those premises themselves are not logical. This is the secret of intellectuals. You cannot study, you cannot study any branch of wisdom, anything, not science, not physics, not mathematics, not cosmology, not astronomy, not philosophy, not psychology. There's not a single branch of wisdom that you can study without certain paradigms and premises, foundations. Those foundations cannot be proven logically. They can always be refuted. In other words, Seichel must accept that there is something beyond Seichel, it cannot function without that. Because Seichel follows certain logical principles in order to be able to work 
within that structure, you have to be able to have certain paradigms and premises, and those cannot be proven. Somebody can come and refute them, and then once you refute the foundation, there's no structure. So in order to build a structure, you have to have a foundation. That foundation is never logical. Yes, I know intellectuals like arguing with this, especially youngsters who are trying to uh, exercise their brains in figuring out all the truths. But the field, this, this is a truth known, as he says, even to completely secular intellectuals. Even an honest, so-called atheist intellectual, if there is such a thing, a really honest atheist, but even if there is, or at least a Tinnik Shanishba, will admit this to you. And the deeper you go into the world of intellect, the deeper you'll discover this truth. Because you always have to have a foundation from which to work with. And a person could question anything. The brain could question literally anything. And if there's no certain premise and paradigm, you can't even begin to function with seich. What does this mean? This means that intellectually, you have to respect certain things that transcend intellectualism. Unless, if you're not an intellectual, you don't have to respect anything. But if you respect the processes of logic and thinking, you must respect that there are foundations that transcend them. Now, what the Rebbe says now, this is one aspect. Even somebody who will fight this and argue with this, even somebody who argues, and he's discussing here two streams of philosophy and history, even somebody who argues that seichel is not finite, which means logic is actually at the core of reality. It's not limited. It's at the core. And therefore, intellect does not have to embrace that something transcends intellect. Intellect is reality. Logic is reality. There is such a stream in philosophy. Everything, logic is the premise and the foundation of reality. There's nothing outside of that. Even if somebody agrees with that. So therefore, there's nothing outside of Seichel. Everything follows a certain logic and it's based on it. But if he's a normal person, he'll admit that his seichel is limited. The worst thing you can hear from a scientist or a physicist is, I know everything there is to know about science, I have nothing to learn. It's probably the last person you'll want to sit by to learn. The worst thing you can hear from a psychologist or a therapist is, I know everything there is about psychology. I have nothing more to learn. <laughs> you will not go to that person. We trust the person who says, I know something much less than I could know, and certainly much less than we're going to find out in the future. I mean, Eiv says, years, as years accumulate, they, they allow us to perceive more wisdom. So even somebody who believes that seichel, logic, intellect, is the beginning of all and the end of all. There's nothing outside of Seichel. Every Seichel is reality, reality is Seichel. Even that philosophy, yeah. that somehow logic is inherent to the fabric of existence. That is existence. There's a logical structure and we're trying to find it. Even that person will say, true, but my mind is still limited. I still have what to learn. I still don't know everything. Any person who cannot say that, you don't want to have a, it's, it's very hard to respect such a person. It's the worst thing you could say from an intellectual point of view. Right? 
There was somebody who said in the beginning of the 1900s that everything that there is to discover, we discovered. <laughs> everything that's left to discover, we discovered. Even today, technology and medicine have progressed so much. But humility is the essence of wisdom. Humility doesn't mean... even So even a person who believes that intellect is really everything, and everything ultimately can be defined as an intellectual truth or a logical truth, even that person must acquiesce to the painful or liberating truth that my understanding, my wisdom, my perception of reality is limited. Now, it sounds simple, but it's beautifully put, how he puts it. Now, whatever you believe, a person is going to tell you, I know everything there is to know about astronomy, or I know everything there is to know about outer space, or I know everything there is to know about the brain. It'd be a laughing stock. You know, every few days there's a new, a new news story, a headline that says, they discovered the secret of consciousness. <laughs> they discovered the secret of consciousness. And then they discovered the secret of life. And then they discover the secret of emotions. And then they discover the secret of happiness. But of course, a few days later, there's another study that refutes the first study. You know the age of the universe? You won't always hear this, but you know how many contrasting opinions there are? And every few years, the, the, time, the, 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 the life, the span of the universe changes. Why? Always new discoveries. Always new ideas. So therefore, any intelligent person, the first premise is, first he says, Seichel must accept the fact that there are things that, I, that are beyond Seichel. And even if you disagree, you hold no, Seichel is everything. Seichel is infinite. That's reality. It's not mugbal. It's not limited. It doesn't come from a place beyond Seichel. Everything is logic. Again, there's such a stream in philosophy. Even if you admit that, fine, Zolzai. We're going we're gonna to acquiesce to that. We're going to submit to that for a moment. But your mind is limited, MS. <laughs> Imagine you come to, you need to go to therapy for your marriage. So you go into the therapist's office. You say, before we begin, tell me your credentials. So you'll say, everything there is to know about marriage, I know. I've been doing this for 69 years. There's nothing about relationships that I don't know. What do you think? What do you think of such a therapist? A therapist tells you everything there is to know about human behavior, everything there is to know about pain, everything there is to know about growth, about self-awareness, I know. You run to the other side of the world very fast. You don't sit in that office. Those are the worst people. How This arrogance, this hubris, we don't even begin to understand the cell. The brain, you know what's happening in the brain. Now at least people have the humility to know that the brain is mysterious. And that's just a brain, two pounds, three pounds of jello in your skull. <laughs> so this is the basic recognition. And the greater the intellectual, the more he knows this, or the more she knows this. So he says, Had a... If this is the case, there are certain things everyone must admit that they're beyond my intellect. Maybe they're not beyond intellect. Maybe everything ultimately has its logic. But they're beyond my seichel. Yeah, that I can't understand. Who, who will not admit that? 
There's certain parts of the body that I can't understand. There's certain ideas that I can't understand. There's certain truths I can't understand. There's certain things I haven't. Maybe one day I will. Maybe I don't have the instruments. Whatever it is. But every, with, if without this, without this uh, admission, there's no conversation. And you know who understood this first? The episode, the Greeks. Now the truth is, of course, it's much deeper than this. The whole concept of logic is limited. It's not infinite. Seichel is not reality. There are things that completely are not part of the system of logic. They're not logical. Logic is part of existence. It's not the definition of existence. There, are, there is reality that transcends the very structure and the very concept we call concept. Just like today we know, there are, there's reality that transcends time, there's reality that transcends space. And even physicists who speak from a perspective of physics, some of them will explain that the Big Bang was not just the beginning of the world that we know, but it was also the beginning of time and space. Now you say, what do you mean? That could be the beginning of time. Time Time exists, whether there's a world or there's no world, no. I know it's not easy to wrap our brain around it. But time has a beginning, and space has a beginning. And how could space have a beginning? Space is space. No, space also has a beginning, and time has a beginning. And, and logic has a beginning. In other words, it's not infinite. There's a context that had to be created, developed, whatever you wanted, the word you want to use, that's called logic. And we see it in a person. And here we come to a fascinating thing. What is the depth of a human reality? For thousands of years, at least for many years, especially based on Greek influence, the greatest person was called the philosopher. What's a philosopher? Philosopher is somebody, philo means love in Latin, philo. Philosophy is somebody who loves logic. Yeah, philosophy, you love seichel. It was understood the greatest person is the philosopher, the mind, who cherishes logic. And logic was seen as the supreme force in human life, especially by the Greek philosophers. Plato, particularly, who highlighted and accentuated the virtue of the Isha Seichel, the philosopher, who is superior to all else, to everybody else. Somebody who really lives in the world of... And it was seen that the greatest person is the rational person, and through rationality, you can ultimately rule the world. In Kabbalah and Chassidus, a different paradigm. Chachma is the beginning of Seichel, but there's Keser. Keser is above Seichel. In Kabbalah, already in Zohar, and all the Svarim of Kabbalah and Chassidus, Keser is above Seichel. What's Keser? Ratzon, will. Of course, in the last hundred years of psychology, we have discovered the limits of intellect. Go to any psychologist or therapist or psychotherapist or neurologist, especially in recent years, and say, listen, you know, this guy's coming into your office, okay? Just explain to him the logic or the flaws of his logic and all will be good, right? Good luck. We now know that pure logic has very, very little influence in people's lives. In other words, there are forces that are far deeper and greater and more powerful than Seichel. Not that there's no Seichel. We have rationality. But take will. 
even down here, people down here, people living on this world, their rutzen is transcends their seichel, their desires, their true inner inner values, inner desires, what they really yearn for, what they crave for, what they thirst for is much deeper than seichel. And it, the, the word seichel doesn't apply there. It's irrelevant. It's not about logic. You say, but what well, does it make sense? I don't care. In fact, any good psychologist or therapist will tell you. Uh, I was once speaking to a very respected therapist who'd been doing this for many, many years. So I asked him, how do you know when you touched, you know, when you touched, when you, what are they called when you hit the spot? How do you know when you hit the spot? You know you hit the spot? Rebbe it's a good question, no? How do you know when you hit the spot? You know what he told me? He said something very smart. Talking about Seichel. He said, when the person stops giving me explanations why they're doing what they're doing or why they want what they want, as long as they're giving explanations, they're not in touch with themselves. <laughs> the moment they say, I don't know. It's just what I want. It's just who I am. This is who I am. You hit the spot. <laughs> because even Seichel, it's powerful and it's amazing. And if you're studying mathematics, or Lahavdal, you're studying Ashtikl Gemara, you have to use it. But Ratzin is deeper than Seichel. Kesser is higher than Chachma. So he says as a even those who agree that Seichel is everything, like this philosophers used to think, and some people, there are people who still follow this idea, right? They'll follow this idea. If they study their own lives, probably they'll be, they'll look, they'll see other things. But this was an idea that was very accepted. Fine, but you have to admit that you don't know everything, and therefore there could be things that you don't understand today, and they're true. You'll understand them tomorrow, you'll understand them in a year, you'll understand them in a century. Maybe they'll discover them in a thousand years. The truth is that Rebbe says that any seichel to begin with is based on things that are lamayla mehaseichel. The truth is that seichel is finite. It's not reality. It's part of reality, but it's not reality. We see it even in a person down here that the koyach haratzen is deeper than the koyach haseichel. Will is deeper than seichel. So we see even a reflection down here that seichel is powerful, but it's limited and its influence is limited. What's the conclusion? Ah. The Yavanim, therefore, the Greeks, who were great intellectuals, at least many of them, did not have a problem with Chukim. They didn't have a problem with Chukim. You know why? If you're an intellectual, you have to accept that there are things that you don't understand. I'm fine. I'm fine. Tell me that there are mitzvahs. Moses was a brilliant, brilliant man. I'll find out tomorrow. I'm not, I have no problem. I'm, I'm a smart man. I can accept. Now, this is a very edel of art. This is Shana Yavonim. I can accept that I don't understand tomorrow, a year, a hundred years. I'm good and I'll do it. I'll do it. But I meant, but give in one thing. Just tell me one word. There's seichel here. Tell me that seichel is the reality. Elamai, I'm limited and I'm ready to accept that there's something higher that I don't know yet. 
and therefore I'll do the chayk. In other words, what makes it a chayk? What makes it a chayk is that it's a relative chayk. Today I don't understand, tomorrow I'll understand. I will even accept the fact that as part, even deeper than this, that as part of being an intellectual, there are paradigms that I have to accept in order to give respect and context to the structure of logic. I'm fine with that also. You know what bothered them? What bothered them is They don't have an opposition to chukim because they're incomprehensible. A lot of things are incomprehensible. I can accept that. What they could not accept was that the essence of life, the essence of truth, is not about seichel. The essence of life and the essence of truth is the value of the mitzvah, the real value of the mitzvah is that it's Ratz and Hashem, it's the will of Hashem. The lakus of the mitzvah, the godliness of the mitzvah, the divinity of the mitzvah. That the Rebbeinu Shalom Hashem is not defined by logic. He is the source of reality, including the source of Seichel. That p- the purity of the mitzvah, that it's Ratz and Hashem, it's the will of Hashem, completely beyond any structure of logic, this the Yivanim, could not make peace with. Chukim, as an intellectual exercise, because I don't understand it today, but there's a logic. Maybe call it your God's logic. Fine. I don't have a problem with that. But I'm not going to go out of that world of Seichel. Lahavira mechukir itseinecha. Not lahavira mechukim. They were fine with chukim. What bothered them was did it itseinecha. What's the real value of the chukim? Just like the real value of Torah, Torah secha. The lakus in the mitzvah, the getlichkeit in the mitzvah, the divinity in the mitzvah, that it's the ultimate truth of existence that completely transcends the human intellectual capacity, the human intellectual mind, that it's not defined by seichel. Can reality be experienced as something that is completely not defined by logic? They were not ready to give that up. And this drove them mad about Judaism. We'll soon see what this means in a person's life. In a person's life, the ability to be able to stop trying to control things with my brain. (laughs) My brain can accept the fact that it can't control everything, but it wants to control that also. But the real vulnerability to be able to give up complete control that my brain has to control it, that's the Yavan inside of me, the Greek inside of me. I want to be able to create a life that is structured around my brain, that my brain could somehow make sense of it and control it. That bittle, to be able to transcend completely my, the control of my brain, that the Yavanim are not ready to accept. That's what it is in the personal life. What is it in the collective Jewish life? In Yiddishkeit, there's a lot of seichel. In fact, there's endless seichel in Yiddishkeit. In fact, Yiddishkeit has more seichel than any other seichel in the world, because it comes from the source of seichel. <laughs> Yiddishkeit has more seichel than anything else, because it comes from the source of seichel. The argument here is, but if you're going with seichel, you're not touching it. You're touching the aspect of seichel. Beautiful, that's what he says. It's not an attack that you won't do it. No, you'll do it. I'm going to do it. I just want to think about it. No, 
You know why? Not because thinking is bad. Think! But it doesn't have anything to do with the mitzvah. You're not toif as the mitzvah. The experience of seichel won't give you the mitzvah. It will give you seichel. You'll understand more, you'll understand less. Back to the mushal in therapy, in psychology. A wife is sitting with her husband. She's crying about something she needs, something she wants. Or he's crying. And the other one turns, the wife turns, the husband and the wife and says, but it doesn't make sense. Wrong question. <laughs> you're talking two worlds. She's talking about her inner self and you're talking about logical structures that you created to protect you from your inner self. Okay, so now let's go to the next level. He's smart enough to have empathy and say, okay, I get it. But then when she leaves, he turns to the therapist and he says, now explain to me logically why she wants it. I'll do what she wants. I'll buy the flowers. I will go out. I'll, we'll take a walk. I'll, I'll do it. But explain to me why. I'll do it. I'll do it. What do you say? He missed the point, right? He, that He's a good guy. I'll do it. I just want to think about it. You missed the point. It's not a reality of Seichel. It's a reality of Ratzon. It's the Pnimis. It's beyond Seichel. I don't care if you think about the mitzvahs, Yom and Balayla, analyze, dissect, and you know what? You may come up with brilliant, brilliant ideas, but Chazal is saying you're not touching the fabric of the mitzvah. You're not touching the essence of the mitzvah. You're going deep into Seichel, which is a fine thing. It's a wonderful thing, and sometimes it's amazing and beautiful. If you want to understand the Nekud of a mitzvah, you have to understand that you're dealing with divine will, which is infinity, which is truth, which is the source and transcends infinitely intellect. It's not in the world of intellect, and intellect is not bringing you closer to that truth of the person. Where does the husband connect to his wife, or the wife connects to her husband? I'm giving this mushal, because the Rambam says that Ish Isha is a marshal for Hashem and the Jew. So it's a very good marshal, I think. Where do you connect? You connect when you stop looking for the need to understand your wife. Listen, I'm giving you people good advice. When you stop, I hope the therapists agree with me, when you stop searching for the need to understand. I don't have to understand my husband, understand you, I even understand your child. I want to understand. Understand, you can understand your wife and understand, I don't know if you can understand your wife, you could try to understand your wife and understand your husband, understand your kids, and understand God, and understand Tate, understand Mitzvah. But if you want to connect to them, you have to be able to understand and appreciate and experience that reality is not Seichel. Reality is Ein Seif. And the true reality of a person is rooted in Ein Seif. It's rooted in infinity. And that's where I can touch you. That's where you can touch my Pnimiyas HaNefesh. It's not about understanding you. It's about tuning into you. I can't understand myself, so you're going to understand me? I don't know if I can emphasize how valuable this, this Maimer is for relationships. Again, So why are the Sfarim filled with explanations for mitzvahs? You don't have permission, you're going to get punished. People read this, you're going to go to Gehenim if you start thinking about mitzvahs. No, I don't think. You see, the Rebbe goes, he takes it to an extreme one way, and this he can take it to an extreme another way. I don't know if you understood what I just said. When you're toifes the etzem of the Maimachazal, then you're not scared to go the other direction, because, because you appreciate it from the opposite direction. Meaning, the Rebbe says, means, even if you're going to do everything, but you just want to think about it, it's already nishgut. 
Now, the problem is not that you're going to think and you won't do it. No, you'll do it. I'll do everything, but I want to think about it. He says, no, you don't have permission. If, you, if you're not typhus then it could be. It's like, wow, wow, wow. Okay, we're not allowed to think. Let's, let's go to a cult. Let's go into a cult and not think. But now he explains to you what it means. What it means is, you could think. I don't care if you think. But you're not going to be typhus the mitzvah. And even if you say, I'll do it, but I want to understand it, you missed the point. The mitzvah is not about understanding. The mitzvah is about elokus. It's rotzen Hashem. It's the inner divinity. It's the truth of existence. The inner pnimius of Hashem. This is what Hashem wants beyond the whole world of seichel. Even beyond beyond seichel, because beyond seichel is also seichel. Seichel says that there's beyond seichel. Seichel says that there's things that I don't get yet. Fine. Seichel says there's certain foundations I have to agree with in order to make seichel work. But it's all seichel. Hashem is beyond, beyond Seichel. So you'll start talking Seichel, 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 Seichel. Geschmack, nice, Geschmack. But you didn't touch it. You didn't touch, you didn't get the Nikuda. You didn't get the Nikuda. Is philosophy important? It's wonderful. Is Seichel important? It's wonderful. And sometimes you have to have a conversation that is completely intellectual, completely objective, completely rational, just to be able to help people get through their walls. Because if I'm a very rational person, you have to be able to show them the limits of their rationality so they can open up to deeper layers of reality. But once you touch the cores of the deeper layers of reality, the seichel becomes irrelevant. Ein l'charishus means that at some point seichel is irrelevant. So what's, the, so, so what's the power of a mitzvah? The power of a mitzvah is that you touch me. Hashem says, there's an expression, you touch me. The pnimius, the pnimius of Ein Saif. And therefore you touch yourself, your own pnimius. Back to the relationship. You come out, explain to me why. You're stuck. You don't have to have an explanation. Do you have the courage to go there? The Yivanim could not accept this. The Yivanim, they cannot make that transition. Which means they weren't only philosophically wrong, psychologically psychologically they could not survive. In the terms of inner work, inner growth, they can't really touch reality. Internally they couldn't survive. They were busy with Seichel. Sometimes you meet a person, he's brilliant, and his brilliance destroys him. Because more brilliant, the more detached from himself. You guys know what I'm talking about? That I lose everybody at this point. I was I not laughing? I don't see anybody. I see a, I see a therapist here. Everybody else ran away. And Mr. Solomon, I see. The psalm the first was mezakt. So, what does this mean? So, what does this leave us with? This leaves us with that Yiddishkeit is not afraid of seichel at all. On the contrary. If you're confident, you don't have to be afraid of questions of intellect. That's why the Rambam himself says, in the Rambam writes, if you have a reason, give reasons. He says, every mitzvah could think about it and figure out if there's a reason. And the Rambam says, I don't care, give reasons. We're not afraid of conversations. The Nekudah here is not fear. The Nekudah here is what's reality and how do I touch reality. The Nekudah of Yiddishkeit is elokus, godliness. Purity, real transcendence, the, the source of reality, and that is which is even beyond the source of reality. From this, we'll also understand 
in Yiddishkeit, if you study Yiddishkeit, there's different streams, different ways. There were those who were very, very philosophical. Everything they searched for reasons. They wanted reasons for everything. There were those who said, no, just do it because Hashem, want, Hashem wants you to do it. It's two different streams. Until today, you'll see. There's those who say, stop asking questions. Stop asking. And those who are, no, I want to understand. I want to be logical. Those who say, stop hacking a chining, they say, oh, Seichel will drive you crazy, you're going to lose everything, you'll become a philosopher and throw everything away. And the others say, yeah, but you're in a cult, blind faith, you don't know what hit you, you're not intelligent, you, you don't think, you don't have answers, because you're scared of questions, you're, <laughs> you know those arguments. In this Maimer, we have the full picture. Kederich, what does Chesidus do? Chesidus doesn't choose one path over another path. Chesidus is the etzem. It's the Etzim HaToyedah. The Etzim HaToyedah includes all paths. So what do, you, what do you see in this Maimon? The Rebbe is like, of course you can go with Seichel. You know how many explanations there are for mitzvahs? Mishpatim, Eidiz, Chukim. You can explain and explain and explain. And there's beautiful stuff. And very convincing stuff. And even Chukim has a lot of explanations, including the fact that if you're smart, you understand that you're dumb. How do you know that you're smart? How do you know that you're a smart man? When you're smart, you know that you're dumb. When you're dumb, you think you're smart. That's the first, the first prerequisite that you're talking to a smart person is that the person understands that they're not smart. <laughs> That's the first prerequisite. The moment you meet a person who thinks they're smart, with, with smartness you're not dealing with. There's an expression in one of the, one of the Svanim, called gay shaita. Now, don't, this is not the word, this is not the English word gay. Gay means arrogant. Even in English it means happy, by the way. But call gay shaita, gay yud aleph. Whoever is an arrogant person is a fool. You say, why? I'm arrogant and I'm smart. By definition, if you're an arrogant person, you're a fool. So any, any, a person can understand. There's things that I don't understand. Chukim has explanations, Mishpatim has explanations, Adis has explanations. And it's a whole path, and it's wonderful. Suddenly, no, no, don't think, don't think, close your mind. Really? And the Rebbe says, you know what I mean? Don't think. Not don't think. Even if you're going to do, don't think. What do you care? I'll do and then I'll think. So the world, people will say, because if you start thinking, you'll end up not doing. You missed the point. Maybe true, maybe not true. Here we see everything comes together. There's a derech of seichel. And it's fine, and it has its virtues, and it has its utilities, and it has its use, and it has its power. There's the derech of Amuna. Focus on chukah, beyond seichel. Can the two come together? So this is what he's explaining. The Yivanim were stuck. As long as you're not stuck, there's room for everything. Is there rationality in Judaism? All of Judaism is filled with rationality. What's not filled with rationality? All of Judaism. From Shabbos to Tefillin to Davening to Hanukkah to Purim to the Aseris Adibris to Brachas, including Tarsa Samishpacha, including Tarsa Samishpacha. Many therapists tell couples you need space, space. <laughs> What's space? What does space mean? Space is called Tarsa Samishpacha. <laughs> but you need space. Everybody says you need gratitude. Yeah, you need thanksgiving. Yeah, that's why we have shachras, mincha, maidav. And brachas ashachar. Everybody says you need mindfulness. Yeah, that's when you come out of the bathroom, you say asher And before you drink a cup of water, 
You say, Everybody says, you need to control your mental space. You can't become addicted to the outside world. Yeah, that's why we have Shabbos. Everybody says, you need boundaries, you need discipline in order to be able to function, to be a productive person. Yeah, that's why you have Zman Krishna. Don't forget, that's why you have Zman Tfila. That's why you have things that we do and things that we don't do. Everybody says that this is a world of sexual harassment. Me too. Hashtag me too. Yeah, that's why there's laws of Yichud. And that's why there's laws of Tzniyas. What's the laws of Yichud? The laws of Yichud is that a man and a woman who are not closely related, it's not my mother, it's not my spouse, it's not, are not allowed to be locked up in a room. Yeah, it recognizes the darker angels in a human life. Tell me, if this, this doesn't make sense, if everybody would follow these laws, 90% of the problems you wouldn't have. They talk about black lives matter, white lives matter, people's lives matter. What is it all based on? If a police officer or a black man or a white man would have ingrained in them that a human being is carved in the image of God, their behavior is a completely different behavior. We could talk about this endlessly. Are there, is everything understood? No person can understand I once asked a very brilliant man, and he's a religious Jew. And I said, You're so, he has to understand everything. I said, how do you deal with this mitzvah, that mitzvah, that mitzvah, that mitzvah? I asked him a few. And he said something very wise, and this is what this man says. He says, you know what? When I see a system that 95% of it is beautiful, and 5% of it doesn't make sense, I accept it. It's a good word. That's the, that, but, but, but it's a, if I could say that, that's the, that's, that's the Yavani. That's the Greek inside of me. The inside of me says, 95% makes sense, 5% doesn't, I accept. It's Gewaldic, it's beautiful. What the Rebbe is saying here is, but don't get stuck there. It's not the Nekuda. It's not the Nekuda. He's up in Karlin, the Nekuda, yeah, the Nekuda. In Karlin they say the Nekuda. The Lubavitch is very sinish, and the Litvish is very sinish. But in Karlin, they have a, there's a Torah in Karlin. Shavchu kamayim domam svivois Yerushalayim ve'en koiver. The base the word. Chalazogin Hashem Karlin Torah. Tehillim kapitel ayintes. They spilled their blood around Jerusalem, and there was nobody to bury it. So it's a tragic story of the Churban. Shavchu domam kamayim svivois Yerushalayim. Sometimes Jews they give their blood for something but they don't touch the Nakuda. <laughs> they're so committed to something, but they're always around Yerushalayim. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't, it doesn't go into their Pnimiyas because it's around. It's not the Nakuda. So you're busy with Seichel, Agan, Gvaldik, wonderful. But the word is, Even if you're going to do all the mitzvahs, he still says, don't think about it. Not because I care if you think about it. Because don't think that by thinking about it, you're going to gain the real appreciation of it. Fakert, it's going to eclipse the relationship. When this man comes out of the therapist's office, one man says, listen, I can't agree to her. It doesn't make sense. What you want doesn't make sense. I'm not doing it. Another guy is much better. I don't care. I'm going to do it. I'm a good husband. But just tell me why. <laughs> says the Rebbe, the second one doesn't get it just like the first one doesn't get it. First one doesn't get it because he's a little narcissistic. And the second one doesn't get it because he doesn't understand what reality is. He doesn't understand what a person is. He doesn't understand what empathy is. He doesn't understand that reality is Ratzin and it's much deeper than Seichel because he himself is blocked because he never went into his own Ratzin and he uses Seichel to cover up who he really is so therefore he can't deal with another person's Ratzin. Only when you can deal with your Ratzin can you deal with another person's Ratzin. 
Er het was tutzig da. Divrelekim chayim. So therefore, everything comes together. So it's not a steering Yiddishkeit. Seichel is gewaldig, gay, gay. Von hein bis morgen we could run. But the nekud is that the Yavonim, you're still stuck. Because you're busy with mishpatim, you're busy with edus. I'll accept chukim also. But I need, somehow, I need to keep God in Seichel. And the truth is that the nekud of a mitzvah is pure divinity. It's iskashrus of the pnimiyus hanefesh, with the pnimiyus of ein seif, the core of the soul with the core of infinity. And it's the ability in the person to go outside of their brains, outside of logic, of the structure. Of, not because we don't like logic, we love logic. That's one aspect of Yiddishkeit. Logic is tremendous. But don't get become a Yavan. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck there. Allow yourself to feel and experience the lakus in the mitzvah. The lakus in the mitzvah you don't have to understand. Not because we're a cult, not because we don't believe in understanding, because we don't want to limit the relationship. When I say I have to understand, I'm limiting the relationship. I'm not allowing myself to touch your soul. Allow yourself to touch the divine so that the divine can touch you. We'll continue. We'll continue Be'ezer Hashem Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning, 7.30 a.m. Let me take some questions. Okay, you know what? The hour is late, and some of us still have to daven. So Be'ezer Hashem, I'll do the questions. I'll go through the questions. I see it's 30, 33 questions. So it's a shtikal avayda. But I'll go through the questions. Be'ezer Hashem, the next year, Wednesday morning, will address at least some of the questions. Be'ezer Hashem, everybody have a beautiful day, and an uplifting day, and an inspiring day, and don't get stuck in the Greek with the Yavani inside of you. Chazak. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.